0: Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. And uh, this week, um, uh, or rather last week, we, we began this doing four weeks up to Father's Day. And uh, we began to realise that that uh, title is uh, a little bit more positive than we may initially uh, realise. We, we talked a little bit about stop signs. We talked about things in uh, normal life that actually ask us to stop at times We recognize that it's for our safety, uh, for our warning, for our well-being. We realize that when God is uh, saying stop, it's not to limit us, but to liberate us into all that he's got uh, for our lives. So we talked uh, a little bit last week about stop it, procrastinating. It's a long word, but it simply means stop putting things off, uh, stop delaying. And uh, we looked at three uh, areas of procrastinating. On occasions, it did us We find ourselves between two opinions, it delays, and on occasions it denies. As David has led us this morning, baptism actually is a great marker for not procrastinating, um, not putting it off, but stepping into the next of God, the next step of discipleship. And we're looking forward to next week, and we thank God that this year already, as we're only coming to the end of May, we've had a a great... uh, flow of baptisms as people have made the next decision the christian journey is all about being progressive it's all about moving forwards it's all about going on a journey and uh, god uh, just uh, blesses us as, as we go past each of the landmarks that he has placed in our lives as we worship him so stop it procrastinating this morning for a moment we're going to look at a word that perhaps we're all aware of and you may think initially uh, well probably the bible's not got a lot to say about this but actually it's got quite a bit to say about it so the second word this morning for our blessing for our help for our guidance is uh, stop it grumbling and uh, we're going to put the uh, bible verse up this morning that we're going to particularly think about so Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 to 15 and as we go through the ministry this morning there'll be a few points that come up and uh, so uh, please uh, jot them down or take them on your phone or whatever um it's um it's been great to hear of uh, small groups using Sunday ministry just to reflect further uh, in discussion times And, uh, of course, it it keeps the preacher sharp in making sure the outline works as well. So uh, this is where we're going this morning. As I was was sat at my desk uh, this week, we we planned the ministry. Uh, We knew what the themes was. We knew what the title was. I did say to myself, and I suppose it was a prayer to God as well, well, where are we going to go with this? Um, Anyway, uh, hopefully it's going to help us. And uh, it's going to encourage us in terms of the journey of our faith. Philippians is a book in the New Testament. Here's Paul speaking to a church that he was instrumental in starting. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation or world. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Well, I thought that was a great verse to start with. Someone says that there are no speed limits on the road to destruction. That may account for its popularity. And uh, it may be that you've come to Arena this morning and actually your life is careering completely out of control. There are no limits, there are no stops, there's no direction, there's no guidance. And uh, many people are living like that in these days. It's not a good place to be. The foot to the floor, and you can't get uh, any sense of what God is wanting to do in your life. Uh, that verse that we looked at, the context is a, a call to maturity and responsibility. Uh, in those verses, just prior to it, it says, Work out your salvation, not work for it. Uh, it's a free gift. And this morning, if you've never become a believer, you don't have to work for it, you have to receive it. But when you've received it, then we start working it out in our lives. That verse aligns with chapter 1 and verse 6 of that same book, where it says that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Christ so working out your salvation and the call from Philippians 2 is to be distinctive and different to shine like stars in the sky in a crooked and perverse world that uh, thought of shining like stars is taken from Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3 which is a verse in the Old Testament and it talks about the righteous shining like stars forever If we read the verse, we'll know that grumbling, complaining can potentially dim the brightness that God has called us to live out for in our life. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless, pure in a crooked and warped generation, shining like stars in the sky. Um, So as I began to think about this, as I began to read, I realized that God, in the Word, both Old Testament and New Testament, has got a lot to say about this grumbling, complaining attitude. And the call this morning in this series is that if that's us, if that's where we tend to run to, if that's where we tend to live, God's saying, stop. There's a better way. There's a different way to live out in life. Um, the literal understanding of grumbling in the scriptures is to be muttering in a low voice. Like <laughs> 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 <That> Chris <crystal> now <laughs> <laughs> It's muttering and it also in its literal understanding is a reflection of the attitude of the heart. Out of the heart the mouth it speaks. speaks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you may have thought like me that Well, maybe this is pretty insignificant, but last week we uh, used a few verses from Corinthians chapter 10 that was saying to us, look at things that happened in the past and use those as examples of things to avoid. Interestingly, one of the four things mentioned there was grumbling, grumbling. So it may be that you're a bit of a moaner. It may be that you sort of like to go there. It may be that uh, you think you've got lots of things to grumble about. It may be that you fell up with Brexit. It may be that uh, uh, it may be that, uh, may be that uh, you went on holiday and the weather was horrible. <coughs> there's all sorts of things that we can moan about. It may be that you you know you're a bit of a victim Meldrum and uh, there's many occasions where you don't believe it and. Uh, and uh, it may be that somehow it dominates your life and the bible this morning is really saying to us let's be careful let's allow God to do a heart check again let's realize that we might not take it seriously but God does you see ultimately when we're grumbling when we're complaining it all reverts to a grumble about him and so um that's really where God's talking today now Let's just uh, mention this before we move into some points. If there's something going wrong in the life of a church, um, we need to say so. In Acts chapter 6, there was tremendous growth in the church, incredible growth. And uh, God was moving, God was pouring out of his spirits, but there was a problem. uh, Because there were widows that belonged to the uh, Jewish community, that were becoming Christians, and the widows that were belonging to the Greek community uh, that were becoming Christians, and the widows belonging to the Greek community seemingly were getting overlooked in their needs. Interestingly, it's one of those things in the New Testament about widows in need uh, that to, is a call to the church to minister to. And so, uh, in the opening verses of Acts chapter 6, there was some complaining there was some legitimate grumbling. And the leaders got together and said, this is not right. Uh, we're trying to do everything. So what we're going to do, we're going to appoint seven deacons. Now, I, I once uh, spoke to a guy that believed that every church ought to have seven deacons. I mean, talk about literalism going wild. Um, but, um, but the deacons were appointed full of the Holy Spirit, incredible people, and they began to take care of the needs of the widows that enabled the apostolic leadership to be released into the prayer, the ministry, the waiting on God, and everybody was happy. So if there's something going wrong at Arena, we're not saying, you know what, the Bible says you can't grumble, you just got to keep putting up with it. If there's something that clearly isn't happening, that uh, we want to happen, if there's something that clearly needs to change, please let us no and we'll look at it we're not talking about that we're not talking about non-complaining becoming controlling and it's interesting sometimes that sometimes somebody can see something that nobody else does we need to know that but let me just touch on, on for a few moments four things that we're going to run through at pace that are a warning to stop the stopping of grumbling And I'm going to give four examples as to why people go there in the heart. And maybe it will be a challenge to you today. Number one, uh, we grumble at times because we believe the past appears better than the future. And uh, uh, the Bible verses for this are found in the Old Testament. They're found in Numbers and in uh, in Exodus. If we could just have those up as well. And uh, on two occasions one when the people were on the edge of the promised land and on the second occasion whilst they were journeying in the wilderness they said these words if only we died in Egypt if only we died in Egypt you see what had happened was that the brilliant leadership of uh, Joseph had been long forgotten Uh, The succeeding Pharaohs had become threatened by the power and favour of the Israelite nation in an alien land and so they began to exploit them, abuse them uh, and and, uh, suppress them. And uh, they got the Israelite people to be building bricks for the for the great Egyptian buildings. And then the Pharaoh says, "Yeah, well, that's a little bit too easy. You've not, you've now got to find the materials to make the bricks." And so they press down and press down and press down. I don't have time this morning to open it up, but God's always got a person. God's always got a man, God's always got a woman that he wants to use to bring deliverance. So God spoke to Moses, uh, who had been miraculously preserved as a little baby in the bulrushes, and despite his diffidence, despite his lack of eloquence, despite his insecurity, despite him saying that you've got to be joking, Lord, it's got to be somebody else, God appeared to him, God appeared to him in a burning bush. He says, I am that I am, and that you are to be the deliverer of the people. Well, a long story worked out including moses being dealt with by god but eventually he stands before the authorities of the egyptian government and he calls uh, the people to be let go again you know many of you that know your bibles there was plagues there was things working out there was conversations but eventually the people of god were released from the land and here's where we find the story Um, firstly on the edge of Entering into the promised land, they said, Well, you know, it's fantastic, but, but uh, there's those giants, and you know, uh, I don't really think we can do it. And so, they sent 12 spies into the land, and Joshua and Caleb came back. But democracy rules, and uh, when democracy rules in the life of the church, friends, we have a problem because God doesn't work through democracy, He works through theocracy. I'll come back to that in a moment. He, rule, he rules through His rule in the church. And democracy will always take us to the lowest common denominator. It will always take us down. I'm a Democrat politically, but I'm not in the church. It doesn't work the same. It doesn't work the same. church doesn't work with everybody having a vote. It doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. And uh, so, uh, but 10 over 2 won. And, uh, and then in the wilderness, God in his grace was still providing for them. But again, they grumbled, they complained. Oh, if only we had been died in Egypt, if only you had left us there. They forgot. They forgot where they'd come from. They forgot the grind of building the bricks. They forgot the lashes on the back from the cruel Egyptian soldiers. They forgot toiling in the midday sun. They forgot about it and all of a sudden the past seemed greater than the future. Listen, be careful. You've become a believer. You've given your life to Jesus. You've made the next step. You're baptized. You've got a t-shirt on. You're in the dream team. Everything's great. But then God starts to dig really deep. Maybe he's talking about an issue in your life that he wants you to yield to him. Maybe tithing's come across the agenda of your life. Maybe there's a relational situation that you're trying to work through and God's working through, and all of a sudden, Egypt seems good. All of a sudden, Egypt seems good. You see, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin for a season. The reason that people backslide from God is because sin, initially, is pleasurable. It's enjoyable. It's good. And the enemy snares you, yeah. you in and snares you in and snares you in and snares you in because his passion is to take you back to Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not going back to Egypt because we're marching, if you'll forgive the old song, to Zion. We're going forwards. We're going forwards. that church. And you forget. You forget that's why we are breaking the bread because on a regular basis as a community of believers we remind ourselves what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he saved us and died for us on the cross you see I don't know about you but I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back there's no turning back so number one be careful that we're not grumbling because the past appears to be better than the future that is a lie that is a deceit the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy but I am come that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness and that word for life in John 10, 10 is the word Zoe. it means life of the age to come and when you've tasted of the life of the age to come why do you want to be bothering with the stuff that was dragging you down in the first place yeah. number two number two we grumble sometimes when we think that we know better than God I have to say to God, God, I'm sorry sometimes when I think I'm you and I'm trying to make you me. He's the almighty, sovereign, amazing God that somehow has got all of our lives and uses it a little bit. But sometimes we think we know better than him. Number 16 and 43, if we can just put that up on the screen for reference, the whole community grumbled. Now, number 16 is a long chapter. I don't have time to read it this morning. In fact, I don't even have time to talk about it too much. And you'll be glad because it's one of the most, if I can use the word carefully, disturbing chapters in the whole of the Bible. It starts off with Korah who came from one of the tribes and his friends saying to Moses and Aaron in verse 3, why did you set yourself up above the Lord's assembly? In other words, who do you think you are? <laughs> if you go to Numbers 12, just before that, in verse 3, one of the, for me, one of the most incredible verses in all the Bible, it says that Moses was the most humble man in all of the earth. He wasn't doing this for an ego trip. He wasn't doing it to get his name in lights he wasn't doing it so he would appear on the front page of the paper he was doing it because he was called and he was doing it because god had given him delegated authority to lead the people but they thought they knew better than god and who do you think you are setting yourself up above the lord's assembly here's what john bevere says he says if you want to be under protection then you need to be under authority You don't get kingdom results unless you yield to kingdom principles. And you know, sometimes people pop up as though it's, yeah, well, I'm leaving the church. Well, where are you going? Well, you know, God's told us to have a time out. If anybody can find me the Bible verse for that, please come and see me afterwards. I will give you one million pounds. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. But you see, as a pastor, that's scary because you are removing yourself not only from authority but protection in the time i don't see people thriving in time house i don't see people doing well i don't see people prospering because they've removed themselves from the authority that god has placed over them and that's a serious issue but these guys started to take the leaders on they opposed them those leaders they grumbled against them And uh, part of the reason, friends, at times, that people have an issue with Christian leadership is because God comes to people that the world walks past. And so, at times, well, who do you think, who is it? God says, I go to people like Moses, who was so uh, insecure about his ability to even publicly speak. He says, can I have my brother to come and help me? Um, can he be the spoke okay if you want him to come he come here they are working together in tandem and in this church I I think uh, you will know that there's no sense of leadership lording over the people because we're not called to do that 1 Peter 5 Uh, the leadership of this church leads the people of God but let me say it carefully this morning God has placed delegated authority into this church and the reality is friends that both old testament and new testament both before the cross and through the cross god has always worked through leaders he's always worked through delegated authority always he's just been redeemed through the cross it's not a new principle it's not a new truth it's not a new issue and this morning i encourage you to recognize that God is always working out his plans and purposes. And I encourage you, I said this carefully this morning, don't get into opposition with God because you think you know better than him. Because God's going to keep doing what he does and he's not for changing, even if you spend the rest of your life grumbling. He ain't changing. He's going to work through delegated authority. That's how it works. That's how it works. You see, the kingdom of darkness at times can so bat people off because there's no authority in the church. As you said at the end of Judges, everybody's doing what they think is right in their own sight. And then they say, oh, we want a revival. No, it's easy. But when authority flows in the church, kingdom authority, then that is something for the powers of darkness to take note of. Number three. We grumble when we challenge the fear because it seems unfair. I don't have time to open this up too much this morning, but if you read the opening verses of Matthew chapter 20, uh, and we'll get a verse here, it says, when they received it, their pay, they began to grumble against the landowners. Now, with parables... Um, a parable is simply a story that jesus told in a cultural setting so often the stories he tells we have to understand that we're in an eastern culture that we're there to then open up a spiritual principle to apply don't over egg the parables The parable of the Good Samaritan is simply to teach us about loving our neighbor. Don't drive it down to what did the donkey mean? What did the coin mean? What did the wine mean? What did the inn mean? They didn't mean anything. It's just a story. Telling us that even people that are opposed to us, Jews, Samaritans, Samaritans, Jews in those days, we're to love them. Here in this story, um, there's a... Gathering of grapes being gathered in, and the vineyard owner says to the guys at nine o'clock in the morning, Okay, guys, here we go. Uh, I'm going to give you a denarius, which in uh, Eastern culture was a a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. And so, get to work, and I'll pay you at the end of the day. And away we go. Uh, But then he needed some help during the afternoon, and it got to five o'clock, and the harvest still wasn't gathered in. And there were some other people still looking for work. And so they came in right at the end. And when the pay came, how many of you know that guys get pumped about... I mean, when I used to work in financial services, if guys didn't get all the commission paid, oh, my word. My boss's office on that following Monday morning was explosive. Because they went to work for pay, you know. Anyway, the landowner's paying them a denarii, a denarii, a denarii and the guys that had worked all day said whoa, whoa no whoa. this isn't fair because we've been working all day and the people have come late they've not done as many hours as us but they're getting the same pay but the landowner says no no it's absolutely fair because that's what we agreed be careful friends when we're praying for God to send people in and God to do an amazing thing because here's what happens in a lot of churches well I've been here a long time and uh, I've been paying my ties into this church for years, and uh, I've been in arena for years, and you know, and, and, and now we've got other people coming, and they're on the platform, and we've got other people doing ministries. Isn't fair? Tim fair? Tim fair. Fair. fair? We end up complaining. We end up complaining. Just before finishing my role as the area leader, I got a letter from a church. I'll, I'll mention no names of the letter, but at the bottom it was signed by about eight people. Uh, Hey, another 42 years uh, mrs smith wasn't her name 38 years every one of them telling me how long they've been in the church and therefore that gave them the right to have a voice about things that were happening because we've been here a long time we've been working we've been working we've been work- and these other people are coming in and you're giving them a denarii as well it's not fair I'm telling you, friends, that some of the greatest leaders in the arena haven't been born again yet. They're on the way. Uh, some of the people that we need help are prodigal. They're backslidden. They are in the pub last night, but God's going to get hold of their lives. They're coming racing back to God. The red carpet's out, and they're going to be serving the purposes of God One of the little phrases that we've used in our church, Christian and me and others, is that God would give us experienced soldiers. And I was praying this morning, and I'm prophesying that people from cities are going to come to towns to help us gather in the harvest. You see, the thing that the landowner was passionate about was the harvest. He got to get all the grapes in. And he was passionate about getting whatever help he needed to get the harvest friends if you've been in arena church 30 years thank god we need you but we need the ones that haven't yet come and uh, god's going to call them god's going to bring them and he doesn't need us to be complaining what's that new guy on the guitar where's he come from where's she come from leading the singing Believers as leaders will process it through growth track. We'll process it through ministry school. We'll process it through appropriate conversations. But God is going to bring an acceleration of people that are going to come to a reader church in this season of multiplication. And we need to get ready. We need to get ready. We need to get ready. Here's why some churches don't grow. Because they are a closed shop. You can't get in. You can, everybody's been there so long that they're pushing everybody else away that's trying to get in you can't get in you cannot get in it's almost in the air there's no chance and you know those people that are passionate about the kingdom they're going to find a church where there is an opportunity for them to develop in their ministry so God's not fair God's going to bring gifts to this church friends that are greater than the gifts that we've already got God's going to bring people that can help us in ways that we can't even think about. And God's going to promote them to the purpose and plans that he has got for his church. All for the cause of the harvest. We don't complain. We say, Amen. Amen. And fourthly, we run to grumbling. I told you it was more about grumbling in the Bible than you realize. <laughs> when we sour pure motive with impure. So the final verse. <clears throat> is found in Luke's Gospel, and chapter 5, where we read of Levi, Matthew, being called to follow Jesus. And uh, in celebration of the call, he had a party. He brought Jesus and the people together. And then we get this comment, the Pharisees, known for religious spirit, grumbled and says, huh, huh, here they are, here they are, here they go, here's this Jesus, here's his disciples. They're eating with sinners. Woo! Whoa! And they complained. Someone described the religious spirit as a spirit that's ready to pounce. And we've said very many times in Arena Church, we're not a religious church. We're a relationship church. In fact, religion is bolted at the door. We don't let it in. Because religion loves to pounce. You know, And some of you have been on the end of it at times. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievably debilitating, the religious spirit. Now hear me. Some of you in your journey of walking with God are going to have to walk away from some sinful situations. It's part of the process. But all around Arena Church, we're also going to have to take some risks to walk towards some situations where you rub shoulders with the world and they don't compromise you by their values, but you let the kingdom wash out of your life to touch them. You've not even mentioned Jesus But you're in a social context last night they're up this morning well just about they've got the Sunday paper across the breakfast table they're talking about you because there was something about you last night in that conversation that they couldn't land you weren't uh, inebriated you weren't uh, uh, going the way that they were going there was something about you, you spent some time eating with sinners. I'm telling you, the kingdom washed all over those people and they're trying to find out what it is. They're trying to find out what it is. So we're going to have to take some risks. We're going to have to find ourselves in situations at times where people say, oh, look at him. Look at that Phil Pyle, where's just come from? What's going off there? People watching on so that we are separated but not isolated, so that we are holy but also relevant this is this is a lot more difficult to teach than me saying thou shalt not go anywhere to do with sinners thus says the lord and christian and me are roving around on a saturday night making sure everybody obeys the rule it's not going to work not even christians omnipresent oh you didn't get that one It's being led by the Spirit. This is what it really means. I've already said some of you may have to walk away from some things. But you've got to walk to them as well. And so let's not be the religious spirit ready to pounce. But let's live in the life of God. As I close, those of you from a medical background will know that if there's a poison in somebody's system, you will often give an antidote, a corrective to the poison. And so here's the antidote to grumbling this morning, complaining. Psalm 107 verse 1, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. You will find that when you are a thankster, it's very difficult for you to be a grumbler at the same time. It just doesn't work. So if our tendency this morning is to be negative rather than positive, if it's a tendency to be pessimistic rather than optimistic, if it's a tendency to grumble rather than to glorify, Let me take you to this little verse called An Attitude of Gratitude. And it says this, Even though I clutch at my duvet and growl when the alarm goes off, thank you, Lord, I can hear. There are many that are deaf. Even though I close my eyes as long as possible against the morning light, thank you, Lord, that I can see. There are many that are blind. Even though I can put off the effort to rise, thank you, Lord, that I have strength to get up. There are many that are bedridden. Even though the first hour of the day is hectic, when socks are lost, toasties burned, tempers are short, thank you, Lord, for my family. There are many that are on their own. Even though our breakfast table never looks like pictures in the magazines, thank you, Lord, for food. There are many who are hungry. Even though my job is sometimes monotonous. You know, even pastors have monotonous days. Thank you, Lord, for work. There are many who are unemployed. And Lord, I ask that you'll forgive me when I complain because I thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. Even though I stumble and fall, thank you for your grace to get me up again. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings and more beside.